0: Welcome back, everyone, to a, another edition of the Everybody Counts podcast, where we're talking Bosch, season six, episode five. My name is Jay, and I am here with my fabulous and illustrious co-hosts, Tracy and Pete. Tracy and Pete, how are
1: you? Doing pretty well. Excited about this episode. Heck yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What's up, What's Pete? Up, Pete? It's Officer Pete, and I'm the fabulous one, by the way.
0: No, I don't, I don't. (laughs) Just to clarify. I don't recognize authority here. Sorry. You're just Pete.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, let's kick it off. We start off with our case review, and this episode is called Money, Honey, Episode 5. It's written by Jeffrey Fiskin and Katie Pine. And directed by Trey Batchelor. And I can tell you that you have a lot more to come for this episode because we interviewed Trey Batchelor and he just shared some fascinating details behind the scenes. So that will be its own standalone episode of the podcast coming up. We have several like that that we're going to be sharing sort of behind the camera, behind the scenes. So you can look forward to that. But yes, he directed this episode. And I was telling the guys earlier, I'd, I'd call this episode a game changer. Really sort of flip the switch on some stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I felt like it was very heavy. There was a lot of depth to it, and this was probably my favorite episode of the season, so throw it out there.
2: All right. Good to know. I like that. All right. Well, we start off with a little interaction with Captain Cooper. You like the way I said that?
1: hate that guy. It sounded like you don't (laughs) like him very much.
2: (sighs) Hey, you noticed. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, it just keeps getting more and more. Frustrating with him, but this time he's talking to our faves, Harry and Jerry, and they're talking about trying to get camera footage, video footage from that spy cam. And Captain Cooper's a little hesitant about it, you know. He's like, you really think you'll get anything? And they're like, We've got to try. And he asks Harry, Do you really think there's a Fed involved? And Harry firmly says yes. And he reminds them, We have to be even more careful then. But you know, he gives the A OK. But missing from that conversation is Lieutenant Billets. Why isn't she there? And Jerry points out, Do you want us to let the lieutenant know? And Cooper says he'll fill her in. Yeah, right. So yeah, she was yeah, she was missing from that. That that seemed weird. But and it does come up later on because Billitz is talking with Jerry to try to figure out, coordinate when they should try to get Mrs. Kent in there. And Jerry points out, well, you know, let's see what we can find out first. Probably should give it, give her another day to stew or something like that, he says. And she's like, well, you know, why? And he points out, well, we have to find what we're looking for first. And she's a little taken aback. And she realizes, I think that she's been out of the loop somehow. And he says, Did, didn't Cooper fill you in on the latest? And she just corrects herself really quickly like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course he did. I was just checking. So, you know, she kind of saves face there. But obviously Captain Cooper did not fill her in. And Jerry does need more time. To find the video, so he's looking through some of the video or some of the computer files himself, and then the actual computer crimes department or whatever is looking through the ones that are more that are encrypted and so forth. So they're tag teaming on that, but they haven't found anything yet. So they end up bringing her in the next day. Phillips makes the call, and because they're running out of time for the wiretap too, so there's just so many balls in the air. They need to find the video footage, and then they've got the photos, but there's sort of some possibility that she could say that that wasn't really an issue that you know maybe the assailants moved the robe and but they want to get her you know i think in person you know because you can tell a lot and you can work people to get them to sort of admit something, you know. And then just with the wiretap, they're waiting to see if something will come through. We've seen that one call to Brenner, but they're waiting for more. So they're just hoping that a lot of information comes together collectively before she comes at 10 a.m. the next day. And somebody want to talk a little bit about how Alicia Kent responded to the phone call about coming in to the station? She's a testy, little, nasty
0: woman. (laughs) That's how she (laughs) responded. Yeah. Miss, miss thing, like what? You can't come to me. Why do I have to come down there? I don't. Yeah. Have to do that. I'm better than that. Get, get out of here. Get your butt down the station. Come sign some paperwork, and mm-hmm. in the middle, we're gonna haul your ass off to jail. But we're gonna-
2: <laughs> By the way. <laughs> yeah. And it, it wasn't even that she was like so grieving or expressed that she was right. grieving so much that this was difficult right. to come down and do it. Can you possibly bring it yeah. to me? This is so hard. It was just about the inconvenience. You know, she made yeah. that very clear. So
1: right now, she doesn't know that they, what mm. they know. They don't know. Like, no one knows anything yet. So let's not go let's jump into conclusions, Jeff. No,
0: they know. Bosch is the man. He knows. Well,
1: Bosch does know, but he can't prove Bosch it. Bosch doesn't way.
0: need to watch these episodes to know that she's guilty, Pete. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but. Regardless of how wealthy she is, and regardless of whether she knows they're on to her or not, I just think her attitude was a little disingenuous. Is that the word? I mean, she didn't really seem that upset about the right things.
0: That was very so nice.
2: She could have been. She could have been. Pete, she could have been irritated about having to leave the house. Maybe she wants them to come to her. But I think if it, if she was for real, there would have been a little more emotion about picking up her husband's belongings. Right. So I think it's a little bit of both. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Maddie's working with Honey Chandler, of course, and they actually have Dante Crowe in the office with them. So he's in there. Honey is telling him that, you know, what is it, about 500000 I think, that if you just do the daily rate by the 10 years, and he's like, what? That, you know, 10 years. But then she adds on that if there's exculpatory evidence, you know, and other factors, that that amount can go up and up and up and up. Uh, she thought it could go up to five to seven million, and he liked the idea of that a lot better. No kidding. Well, I and gotta we find tell that,
0: you, you put me in prison for any <laughs> amount of time, and I'm not supposed to be there. It better be he, a lot more than five hundred thousand
2: dollars. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, yeah, surely well, it does. You know what? A good. How can you ever call. put a number on it? All right, we also find out from Honey Chandler and this this uh, discussion that her her uh, cut is thirty percent. That's a chunk of change.
1: What's thirty percent of seven million, Jay?
2: A lot of money, brother. <laughs> yeah. 2.1. a lot of money. Probably well worth her time. Well worth her time, especially since Maddie spent the time and found the, the problem. No, Honey Honey Chandler did stuff too. So uh, We got some other kind of disturbing stuff happening out on the streets, man, with uh, with Pierce and Vega. They're called to the scene of a mm-hmm. body who looks like they've been bashed on the head. Not good. And it turns out that that is Sean, I think is the name, Tarion. And he's the one that was in a scuffle last season. There was a physical scuffle last season, fairly minor, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. But last season with this Terrian guy and Teddy Hobbs. And because that's my spot.
1: That's you know, my spot. You know, this is a big deal for me because I love when a show is consistent. Uh-huh. And Bosch is certainly consistent for the most part with every angle, every storyline that traces back. There's no flaws. And to bring back something that we know of, from last season and implemented into this season as a regular viewer of the show, mm-hmm. I knew exactly who these people were instantly. And I was yeah. like, okay, cool. Like, I can, yeah. I can get into the story. I'm not confused.
2: Right. So, it's like, emphasized just the right amount that the, the whole season later you you pick right back up where you, and you were. remember
1: these guys from such a mi- minor role last season because they did such a mm-hmm. good job everything they do as far as, hey, watch this guy, watch this guy, watch this guy, and then he's
2: back. I tell you what else I think is really good about the writing here is that they made us have fun with Teddy being in the nude on the street, you know, and he seems very likable, and he's funny, you know, it kind of gives you a chuckle. I mean, you feel bad for his circumstances. Do not get me wrong. But they make him likable.
1: They made him unforgettable. And unforgettable. So when he came back this season, you knew who he was.
2: Right. And then he turns around and they believe that he bashed this guy's head in over a spot. It just pulls you way back from anything else, any other emotion. And it's just like, oh my gosh. And no spoilers, because we are going an episode at a time. But it's also wrapped up in an even bigger issue that comes later in the season. You know, a bigger initiative. Crate and Barrel have to step in and look for him and find him. They interrogate him. And he pretty much admits to it. Don't you think? I mean, he says
1: I didn't want to, but I had to. Isn't that kind of how he said it? They did him dirty. I'm sorry. They did him dirty. They came up with the nice thing. They bought him a hot meal. They had a conversation and then once he had told them what they needed to hear, they were like, it's all yours. <laughs> he just gave him over to the detective and it was like, you're going to jail tonight, buddy, for a long time. Probably. You got to
2: think about the mission, man, what they're there to do.
1: No, but it's just like, I'm watching, I'm like, oh, I know. I yeah. Didn't, I didn't even see it coming. When you see his face, it's like, he didn't even see it coming. And I know that what he did, obviously, was murder. If it was him, like, for real. I mean, yeah. And, like, that's terrible, and he deserves to be where he is, and I understand. But yeah, I was like, oh, they got but the, this guy. I
2: know but what you thing. mean. They're still kind of pulling those two different threads. You know, he's still likable. He offered fries to,
1: to Beryl, you know. He's having a conversation like nothing's wrong in the world. He's the Exactly. guy to get right. a hot meal, yeah. and ain't nothing free. And,
2: <laughs> and I mean, you know, we, we don't know, but you have to wonder about – possibly an element of mental illness or something if you can be yeah. in those two different worlds so easily yeah. i mean there's just such a bigger story here than exactly what we're seeing again very clever and um very comprehensive so but they uh pierce and vega are getting some shade about Creighton barrel stealing their case you know and stuff so that's kind of fun that's always kind of fun um then we have a wedding
1: oh i'm happy sure happy about that tracy <laughs> what's that I'm sure you want to talk about
2: that. Actually, I, I'm, I'm not really that girl who's like, oh, wedding. Yeah, but my um, guy's but getting married. My guy's getting married, yeah. I, I am happy about that relationship, and I like that they're getting married. But yeah, I don't want to really talk about the flowers and the, the dress and, and all that. It was but beautiful. I mean,
1: they, it was all elegant and beautiful. It was
2: very, mm-hmm, very elegant at their house. Yeah, I think they wanted to show that, between that and him talking to George at his grave, first thing in the episode, that was very emotional, so... It,
1: it was interesting scenes for Irvin um, today, I felt, in this episode. Yeah, yeah, right, emotional. not his usual not yeah. so
2: much as usual yeah but he, we, we saw that more vulnerable side you know missing George and wanting him to be there and seeing how sweet he is and how much he loves June yeah it's it's nice to see those those traits as well but aside like we said from a very elegant beautiful ceremony we meet someone named Bill Frank who we're kind of like it seems out of the blue but we are introduced to to him by name he comes through the little receiving line and makes some jokes about about chief irving and chief irving refers to him as having been his rabbi in the department do you guys know what that means i do not so this is Um, interesting how about you
1: pete I think I know. Isn't it like the guy who looks out for you behind the scenes, and like the guy who will yeah. like help you move along without? Yep. Like, not, you don't necessarily know who your rabbi is. Somebody might just tell you, like, "Yo, this guy's the reason why you know you didn't get fired mm-hmm. here. Or this guy's the reason why you moved here in the first place." Yeah, yeah. I put a little
2: link just to a Q and A that you know, so it's not like it's verified or anything. But someone had asked about that subject, and they described it much like you did, Pete. Someone who's kind of mentors and looks out for you, helps helps grease the wheels when they can, you know, but not not necessarily. In a you know an unethical way, I didn't no. really get that impression. The but someone way. who's your who's your person who's got your back, you know, and
1: somebody who looks out for you. Yeah, yeah. Way to explain it. There's looks no, out for I mean, you. You can go in depth with that, but it's the person who looks out for you. Yep. Your, no,
2: I think that I think that says it right yeah. there. So it's interesting that we meet this guy and we learn that that's been kind of his role in Chief Irving's career to this point, point. and he's obviously very much a fan of the chief and very excited about the possibility of him being mayor. Let's talk a little bit about Jay Edgar's other cases that he's working. He's continuing with his pursuit of the Jacques Avril organization, trying to find out about Marcos and Arias, trying to find out about who killed Gary, Wise, his friend. He has a little more interaction with Dwight. Dwight has some more photos that to show. No, he's give up. No, he's, he's, he's on it. And and it all comes down to, yeah, he has that detective. He was a detective, so he has that in him, but it's when it's about your son, he's just, yeah. you know, he can't let it go. And he shows some pictures to James Jerry from the ACB Auto Repair, which we've seen Winston showing up with the car doors full of money. Looks like some money laundering going on there. So Dwight has has identified that location. So that gives him some more information. Charlie Hoven, who's the undercover as Felix Mariama, has made it a little closer to the operation. He eventually gets a meeting with Jacques Avril, but not at the Crenshaw Bar and Grill, not the, quote, clubhouse, but at the Seiku. Um, Haiti charity and outside watching from a distance are Espinosa and Kana from RHD. And then Jay Edgar is with them as well. And they, you know, they chat about what's going on and how, you know, it's partly a legitimate charity and most likely money laundering going on as well. And Felix quote Felix and Jacques Avril, they discuss like the possibility of working together. They talk about a couple of rates. Avril says one for one. Felix says one for three. But Avril says that, you know, those terms will depend upon how much Felix invests in the operation and that he likes to start modestly with, with the words that he used. So it looks like he's making his way In there, but it's slow going. You know, we talked about the different layers on the last podcast. He met Remy first, Mm -hmm. the right hand man. Now he's actually had a meeting with Jacques Avril, but it's not, you know, it's not the full green light at this point, but there is some progress. Let's talk a little bit about Daisy. Harry keeps digging into her murder. This is kind of, it was kind of uh, symbolic where he takes her picture and puts it under the, the glass on his desk and touches nope. his hand on it. That's, you know, like a, a sign of I'm I'm gonna help you, you know. Yep. Very that was being a very emotional as well. So he's he's definitely a hundred percent into helping to solve her murder. And he makes a few visits. Let's see, he visits this Alex Sands guy, he ran the plate and uh, was a friend of Daisy. So he actually meets with him at his workplace. It's a kitchen and bath, like furnishings place. And who wants to talk about Alex and how he described who he and Daisy were to each other and what he saw? Okay. Well, Alex says that he was friends with Daisy. He says it wasn't a romantic thing. He was friends. He kind of looked out for her. Um, He was a little bit older and they just, you know, were kids on the streets trying to, you know, hustle people. And he says the last time he saw Daisy, she was talking to someone in a white van. And I think this conversation is very subtle, but very interesting because he says they had just been in an argument. So he saw her at the white van and he just turned around because they'd been arguing. So he figured, you know, she probably didn't want to see him and he walks away and he, you know, he doesn't say that she got in the van. He says he saw her in the van, but Harry calls him out on that later. And he's like, why didn't you talk to the police? And he's like, well, I knew that, you know, she had died. What could I do for her at this point? I needed to look out for myself. And, and Harry points out again, he's like, what could I have done? He's like, well, you could have told the police about seeing her get into a white van. And he's like, but I didn't say she got into a white van. He's like, you didn't have to. So I thought that was really interesting how Harry believes. And I'm curious what you guys think that he said he didn't see that. Like he just cut the story off at seeing her at the van. But Harry believes she got into the van and that he saw that. Do you you guys, you believe like Harry? So let me tell you about this. Actually, first of all, before I get into this, when Mm -hmm. you brought this up. I was
0: talking the whole time and you're like, I was responding to you, and then you're like, "Anyone want to talk about it?" And I'm talking, and then you're like, "Blah blah 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 blah." I'm like, "What the hell?" I forgot I muted myself because I had to call. Is
2: that for real? <laughs> yeah. I'm <laughs>
0: yeah. so stupid. she letting me talk? What? Okay, fine. Like, okay. I was wondering why you gave me a look, and I'm it's like, like, "Dude, I'm I'm stepping uh, in here." <laughs> it, it wasn't. It wasn't really you giving. I was looking at my computer. I'm like, "Oh, son of a biscuit." Like, <laughs> so well then please tell us your thoughts it's okay i I don't (laughs) trust this guy he seems ultra shady to me and Uh anytime you put somebody that was like maybe a bad guy in the past in his new work environment in the future and he's trying to look all prim and proper and like a good guy Uh i immediately don't trust you and that's probably wrong because you shouldn't be like that but this is Bosch, so i don't trust this guy and he's just so kind of matter of fact about all this like yeah yeah. And, and is it me or did he seem to remember it just way too well? Like, right. There no, there's no like, oh man, uh, that night we, uh, shoot. I don't even remember. No, it was like, yeah, I saw him get get into this van and then I just went home because, well, we had fought and I didn't really care. So what? No, there's something up with this dude. And I don't like. So
2: what are
1: you thinking, Pete? You were shaking your head. Okay. People. So okay. People. This guy had a fight saw her get into a weird van, and then found out that she died. He's never going to forget that for the rest of his life. Bad guy or good guy, that guilt lives with everybody, no matter how you look at it. However, if I was in his position, and I was going to ask you guys this question, if you're in this kid's position, even if you're innocent, and you know you're innocent, this cop comes along asking questions after the fact, and Bosch is a very intimidating, serious-looking person. I'm sitting here, and Bosch comes talking to me, and I'm that guy, I'm like, I need to go talk to a lawyer because I'm in trouble. Yeah, I think there was. I, I, everything on the spot, it wasn't I think like, there was fear there.
2: I think there yes. there was fear, but this and that's understandable. But it still doesn't condone lying, you know, and just doing the wrong, having yeah. done the wrong thing,
1: you know. If they, they would have sent Crate and Barrel and they would have bought him dinner, they would have got uh-huh. him to would have got him to confess, and then they would yep. have brought him to arrest him, and it would have been done right. We
2: would have a- heard more. We would have heard okay. more. Yep, yep. Need Crate, to and, Crate, Crate and Barrel, Barrel
1: last meal. That's what I call it. <laughs> the last meal with Kramer. Okay. Yeah. Because at the end of you go to jail because they got you.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're all on the same page that we didn't get a great vibe from him. It's like, are you hiding something? Are you just scared? Are you just really selfish? And I mean, I'm glad he got his life together. You want people to rehabilitate. I'm not blaming him for that at all. But there just seemed like an element of, of selfishness and immaturity there. But Harry keeps digging. Again, he's put his hand on the picture. He's on this. He's going to find out. He meets with Anthony Servidone, who we have seen a couple times now, helping him out. He helped him out looking back at the Borders case last season. And they meet at the Frolic Room, a bar on Hollywood Boulevard. And they met there last year. It looks like they're meeting again there. And he talks to him about the Daisy case because he was on it originally. And then when it looked like the serial killer, the backseat butcher, looked like it had the same calling card, they pulled Servadone off and, you know, brought it into the, the serial killer investigation. Then they find out that he was uh, in the drunk tank, as they call it, the serial killer was, the night that Daisy was murdered, so it didn't match up. But he still didn't get put back on the case, even though he requested to. But he has some details and some memories of what happened, Bosch has brought some uh, like field interview cards that seem like they, you know, might be of importance. And they talk about a couple of people who had been in the area that night. And one of them um, was a known peeping Tom, but he'd been hit by a a tour bus. So he's no longer available to talk to him. The other was this guy, John McMullen, who goes by John the Baptist and has a, a shelter for homeless teens. And they talk about him a little bit. He had a van And so, of course, Harry wants to go talk to him some more. But we got to point out, I think most people saw it, but we have to point out that Henrik was in this scene Henrik Bastin was in the scene pretty much where Michael Conley was in the bar at this type of scene last season. So we get, um, look forward to some scoop on how Henrik ended up in that scene because we talked to him this season and we will, not this week, but we have an interview coming up with him where he gives us some scoop on that. So just keep that tucked away. You'll get some more information there. But who wants to talk about uh, Harry going to the Moonlight Mission and finding this guy, John the Baptist, John McMullen.
1: Yo, that guy was weird and um, Bosch really asked him a lot of good questions and I felt like Bosch was more suspicious of him than he was of the, um, what was the first guy's name, Alex? Alex?
2: Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. then Alex.
1: I felt like he would Alex, he, I feel like, because you know Bosch, you could just listen to what he says as his character says when he's interviewing these people and his facial reactions and you know, based on the next thing he asks, if he thinks you're really a suspect or not. And I felt like mm-hmm. this was going in a way where if you're not a suspect, you know enough to get me to the real suspect. Okay. And Doug, and that's when he found out about, he was asking about the van outside, and who drove this, and who drove that, and, you know, he got some information. and He did.
2: He did. Just in that brief conversation, he got information that, that she was, or was supposed to be picked up by a guy. We, we got that, that it was a guy, and she had called home, and he said he was, you know, supposed to pick her up. And so she only stayed the one night, but he had her picture and he did, did remember. I think Bosch was taken aback when he remembered her so quickly. But some people are like that, you know, they work with these people and they really do have a heart for them, you know, then, you know, they can certainly remember them.
1: Or maybe Daisy was just that kind of person where she had mm-hmm. an energy and a charisma to her way. Yeah. Don't forget her. which is Yeah. Very well, because everybody seems to remember everything about her instantly, like she was unforgettable. And yeah. Bosch can't forget her and I can't, you can't, you know? Right.
2: Right. So yeah, he gets, he gets a little more information. He gives his card to John McMullen. You know, if you remember any other details, please let me know. You know, he mentions prove to me that you're not a suspect, you know? So I I like what you said about that, Pete. So what else do we have? I know we got to get back to that Alicia Kent story. We do some more phone work with Crate and Barrel. They're trading shifts, you know, like 12 hour shifts. I think, I, I guess Crate's doing like the nighttime it looks like maybe. And Barrel comes in during the day and and does the shift well speaking of crate we it's a good time to say we have an interview with Gregory Scott Cummins who plays crate at the end of this podcast episode and one of the reasons I selected Greg for the interview this week is I got a really big chuckle out of some of his lines he did some great detective work don't get me wrong but he is funny and he had some great lines in this episode so uh, one of the first times in the episode he talks to Harry and he's coming in to see how things are going. Has he heard anything? He's watching, you know, the wiretap and he says, I'm listening as fast as I can, you know, which is kind of funny to me, you know, you can't really listen any faster, but you know, he's trying to show that he's, you know, he's on it and he's doing the best he can. And later there's a very pivotal moment when Harry comes to find him because Crate has left some notes for him of two burner calls that came through. He didn't have information on who was calling, who she was talking to. And he gives puts that on Harry's desk. And when Harry sees that the numbers look familiar and he matches that up with the information he got from the private eye that Stanley Kent had hired. And remember, the private eye got to the point where he couldn't prove that she was having an affair, but he did identify some calls from a burner phone, couldn't identify who that was, but Harry still had those highlighted and recorded. And sure enough, they match up with the the numbers that Crate had sent. And then Harry goes in to uh, talk to to Crate about it. And Crate has his eyes closed. And Harry, you know, says something to him and he's like, I'm just resting my eyes, (laughs) I just thought that was pretty funny too. They got, you know, so they talk about it and they zero in on that. That's another big piece of information in the case. So we've got that. And then we've got Jay Edgar, you know, he's trying to find those bicam footage to, to show that she was lying and he's struggling. He's gone through so much stuff and they haven't found anything. And then he has an idea that maybe he put them on his work on the network at, at the hospital, you know, who would think to look there, you know, Alicia wouldn't have access to those files. So that might be, he says a good hiding place. So he gets a, a warrant or is supposed to get the warrant like the next day early in the morning. And Bosch is really nervous because he's like, man, she's coming at 10. The wiretap's running out. We, we have, you know, this is very tense. It feels very tense for me as a viewer and they've got to find this information all at once and they don't have it all yet. So who wants to jump in and talk about this chain of events kind of from this point where Alicia comes in, I'll kick it off. She comes into the station the next day and she arrives early. So that makes us even more stressed out. You know, <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. they're running short on time and then she arrives early to pick up her husband's belongings. And, and Mank tells Billets, uh, your, your person, Alicia Kent is here. And you know, she's stressed. because like, Oh, she's early. Can someone pick up there and talk about what happens with Billets and then Josh comes in, and then eventually we
0: see Here, let me handle this. Once upon a time time (laughs) in Hollywood Station, this cranky pants Alicia came in early (laughs) because she thought she could do whatever she wanted. So they sit her in the room, and Billets, the pro that she is, decides to try and slow her roll a little bit. And buy some time because we all know they're not ready yet. And however, Cranky Pants Alicia. Cranky Pants Alicia is getting more cranky by the minute because, of course, she doesn't want to wait. She wants to get this over with. And kind of regardless of what Billage tries to do, the, the escalation kind of continues. However, Bosh, Mr. Amazing Bosch, I need a good adjective for him. That's not good enough. But anyway, Amazing Bosch <laughs> enters the room. And he starts talking to her and he throws at her the uh, issue with the robe. And mm-hmm. the, how did this happen? And I don't even remember what terrible excuse she gave because I wasn't listening to her anyway. But she <laughs> gave a terrible excuse and everyone under the sun knew that it was a lie. So, of course, Cranky Pants becomes more cranky and we like her even less because she's more cranky. But Bosch and billets know what's going on when suddenly the hero of the day comes in on and his... I don't know, his night outfit on this beautiful horse. Prances right into the room and says, hey, why don't you take a look at this? And shows the video. And she said, oh, dang, I'm busted. (laughs) That's kind of how it went.
2: That's kind of how it went.
1: Can I I take a stab at this in my prison? Go for it. (laughs) Go for it. What happened was Alicia Kent came in, even though she's rich and should have brought to her, okay, (laughs) early. To get in and out. So she'd get home to her multi-million dollar lifestyle. And she got done dirty. All right, people? They didn't even have any evidence against her. A hunch. But kept her there against her will. What? Until they found the evidence and then nailed her for it. And she ain't leaving that place until she gets herself a lawyer.
0: I'm kicking you out of the Beansy fan club for that nonsense. <laughs> you are, You are out. You are no longer welcome after that bunch of baloney.
1: But listen, a lot of people got done dirty in the same episode. It was it was overkill. They had well, that's the whole thing. What did they, you know, the
2: whole thing about getting the warrant for the for the wiretap. Did they have probable calls? I mean they did have some things. They had the photos with the robe that didn't line up. They had uh, phone calls to so this burner phone was suspicious and the things they were talking about on those calls said that, you know, she's talking about Bosch coming and messing with her and they're like, oh, they're just messing with you. Just stay listen, cool. Listen,
1: listen, listen. listen. Like Rick Grimes or Negan. All right. That's how it's Oh going. gosh. Don't right? go there. Don't go if if you like Rick Grimes then you agree they didn't get done dirty. If you like Negan they got done dirty. That's all I'm saying. No,
2: she did not get done dirty because she's the one who showed up early so they had to fill that time. She arrived early. That's on her. Did she and really Billet's- have to be there? I don't know the logistics or the rules with the with the. I mean, she may have to sign something with a notary with a witness actually to take them off. I mean, that could be legit. So, could they have done it differently? I don't know. To ask an expert, but you know, Billet's officer offers her coffee or something. No, do you need anything? No. What I need is to file a complaint about Harry Bosch, you know, coming <laughs> and messing with my insurance company and all that. So they take some time to record their discussion about that and then Harry comes in like Jay said and shows her the pictures and I think he brings up you know does he bring up the phone calls and that I can't remember oh, yeah, I think it does right um. but but yes then the hero of the day comes in and my favorite move was Jay Edgar coming in just looking so awesome you know dressed What's to the nines on? Has a little laptop. And did you see the the
0: light shining down from above as he walked in the room? (laughs) Did you see that, or was I the only one that
2: saw that? I don't know. I could I can envision that. So but he says so politely but firmly, um, have a seat, Ms. Kent. Please have a seat, Ms. Kent. I need you to sit down, please. You know, I can't remember the exact words, but he's very polite, but very firm. And you know, she's all, you know, just exasperated and everything. But she sits down and boom, her her facial expression just goes blank when she sees that and she pauses, her face is blank. She pauses and then she says, you know, she wants to talk to her lawyer. So I mean that I've, I think that scene with, I think they all work together so really well, yeah. trying to stall her, yeah. trying to wait for more evidence. And it was very tense. And I felt that as a viewer. And then Jay Edgar comes in and he's just so smooth. I mean, he's always smooth, but he was extra smooth because the way he just politely but firmly told her to sit down. Yeah. And boom, there it was. And then the big kicker at the end, we find out that her lawyer is Honey Chandler. So the guys were stunned about that.
1: Well... Guys, when you're a multimillionaire, you can exactly and Exactly. I'm sorry. That was such an important scene when Honey Chandler walked in because Bosch is like, yeah, send the lawyer back. Send them back. And then she's like, hey, guys, where's my client? And Bosch's face is like, damn. Yep. Damn, yep. this is going to be hard-fought battle because she's good. And I know she yeah, it was it didn't even. Yeah. Bosch don't respect too many people, I feel, as far as their worth, especially a lawyer in the position. But he respects mm-hmm. her style and the way she will find oh, yeah. to get Yeah,
2: you know, he knows what she's capable of, for yes. sure. So, definitely. So, that's most of it. Did we forget anything? Probably. But maybe it'll come up in the rest of our, our discussion. But that, I think those are the, the big pieces from this episode.
1: Well, we did for, um, We did miss uh, what was about... Um, Strout, was Heather Strout, isn't she talking to that military guy, asking him to help her do something? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Sort of, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, she, yeah. Um, yeah, she's, she's enlisted family.
2: the help of that guy, Ian, who was at the park, who talked to Beryl. So we see him again. He's also the one who looked under her car and saw that there was a tracking device there. And then we also see her stitching a flag patch onto a backpack, and she gives it to him. And we also didn't talk about that very nice scene at the end. With uh, Well, there's some a couple of sad things we didn't talk about, so I think we should address them. Ryan Rogers does pass away, and that hits Beryl really hard, really hard. And I think it was just really shocking to him because he started to get better, but then apparently he had another heart attack and you know. turned for the worse. Maddie comes out and asks him, are you, like basically, are you sad about your, your friend? And um, he is, and they hold hands, and you see the two bracelets there, that they both wear them. I, I would imagine that he feels some regret in that moment, that he didn't see him one more time. Not that he could have changed anything, you know, oh. but people do have regrets in those situations so yeah but the way when Beryl heard the news he was just that was some stellar acting there and actually we'll find out some really cool camera tricks that were in that scene that you may not have noticed but when you hear about them and then go back and see it you're like wow that really made a difference in the way I saw that scene so yeah keep keep listening for that when we have our interview with Trey Bachelor. but and then we didn't it, it wasn't a sad moment those were sad moments but Irving did go through his first debate so we saw that we saw him interact a little bit with the two other candidates and that jack killer and you know he seems like the cars are did you don't you think i mean he kind of had that slick sort of attitude about him yep, mr. Yep. Man, mr man mr man thinks he's mr man for sure all right let's move on to the interrogation room who's up first <clears throat> so
1: we all know our favorite duo is Creed and barrel mm-hmm. and they've been on this season but i felt like they weren't so um front and center they had a lot of big moments in this particular episode, but a lot of other things also happened, bigger things, too. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be the biggest episode, and is this going to be our Season 6 Crate and Barrel episode? Or do you guys believe there's bigger things to come for them with screen time for the next, for the second half of the season?
2: I'll say that based on past seasons, we've begun to see more and more. So I like the idea of even more but, but what we've seen so far is kind of consistent with like last season, the amount that we saw them. So I'm kind of like, well, I may want to see more of them. And they've kind of had a, you know, a track record of increasing their storylines each season. But I, I could see it being kind of that being their, their big part of things. But I hope there's more. I definitely well, have, more
1: it's because we have a lot of other stuff to still go down yeah there's a
2: lot to ha- go to go on we've got five more episodes yeah
1: and and this was their big moment i felt in, in the season so far like they, mm-hmm. they both have and they both have big scenes and then there was a, the side scene with barrel and you know kreis the one who found the message so they both had big moments you know individually also this episode i felt too so was, yeah that's like, true that is true jay
0: well if i had my way they would be the ones to save the day in this entire thing the last two episodes so i'm going to say yes we're going to
2: see more of them because that works for me i like that idea all right how about you how would you answer your own question there pete
1: i think it is because we still are on the beginning of the elizabeth um daisy clayton case and and we have a lot more going on we're still um hoven charlie hoven has just made headway with um the butcher Mm-hmm. So I feel like you know, and Jay Edgar's just getting warmed up. He didn't. Even, we didn't. See, we haven't really seen Jay Edgar like invested in this case. He has to get uh, at least a full episode, if not two. So I'm just breaking mm-hmm. it down in the way I see the TV and the way you know Bosch has ran. And I think this might be Crate and Barrow's big moment this season. They might still be in the background next um in the rest of the episodes helping out with the cases, but I don't know if they're gonna have this much exposure.
2: Okay. Okay. All right. Wait and see. Wait and see. Okay. I do have a question. The conversation that Maddie has with her dad after she meets with Dante Crowe and Chandler, and they talk about kind of what went down there, and they kind of start a, a bit of a philosophical conversation about the law versus justice versus, you know, crime and, you know, finding... You know what I'm saying? So is this going to grow? Is this going to continue to be a wedge between them where Bosch is saying, "How can you possibly, you know, defend these people even if the law gives them an out?" You know, he says they're just going to get back out and go to jail again, they're going to commit more crimes. And you know, Maddie's saying, "Well, they 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 I can't say that they won't, but I can say that the law says this so she's you know she's admiring we can tell Honey Chandler you know in her internship she's learning a lot from her she does seem to have admiration she has strong feelings about the law and the power of the law and the law is powerful but Harry comes from a different different perspective and he sees the power of justice and you know that's his goal so yes there's a wedge is it going to grow deeper or is there going to be some something that they can live together on on different sides because it looks like she wants to go down this path possibly Possibly, or at least she's, you know, intrigued by it.
0: Uh, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Uh, Okay. Because I wonder some of the same things. But, you know, you know, Bosch is a guy who's set in his ways, and he's kind of one of those people you're not really going to change. However, Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: they have this kind of animosity and kind of this stress between them. But I feel like if Maddie were to go down the defense attorney path, she may be the one to break some of that cynicism. Okay. And maybe show him a different way of looking at things. I don't think it will ever get to the point where they're either butting heads that bad or they disagree that much that they're not going to get along. I'm actually hopeful that if it comes to that, they might actually come closer by bringing their minds together, too, on Mm -hmm. a very tough topic of conversation. Okay.
2: That's interesting. That does make sense. How about you, Pete?
1: Well, I have the best answer ever for this question. And I'm going to do what I do best and mix things up because it just fits all into like a glove. So to answer your question shorthand, yes, this is going to form a wedge, but not in a bad way, just in a general way. Now, the reason why this is interesting is because I have Maddie as my person of interest, but I have Maddie as my person of interest because of the same kind of reasons. I feel, and the reason I was going to bring up to you guys is that She's because she's an adult and now she's seeing the world in a different light from different perspectives and not just a Bosch's daughter perspective. Mm -hmm. So she is um, developing her own opinions and she's Mm going to become her own person. And I loved the interaction with Maddie and Bosch in this in this scene. And I know you guys did too, because we both had a lot of um, strong feelings about it. However, I managed to come up with a, um, a, a solve our problem. So Bosch is only going to have another season after this. Maddie is interested in becoming a lawyer in the law. You have Maddie Bosch, attorney at law. You sign on Amazon for 10 seasons, and you start <laughs> writing the story. Now you can bring Harry Bosch as a cameo in some of these episodes of the Maddie's life, to help advise her on things and maybe mix it up a little bit and you keep Bosch going and we keep our show on Amazon alive.
2: I like it. That works completely for me.
1: Maddie Bosch, attorney at law.
2: There you go. All right. Well, okay. here's my answer. I, my answer is I like Pete's answer. I respect Jay's answer. And I feel like it will create a wedge, but they I don't have specifics. But they just seem to overcome every that their their love for one another and their relationship trumps everything else. Eventually, they have their difficult times. They don't understand each other, their perspective sometimes. We saw a lot of that last season. But look, she's back living at home for the summer. They're you know they have a good relationship. Yeah, this topic is coming up, but I just think that ultimately the relationship rises above everything else. But I I think um this could grow into a difficult scenario for them to navigate.
0: All right, Jay, your question. My, when does Jay Edgar sleep?
2: <laughs> That's a good question. Well, That's the a good. Answer, question. He doesn't well he slept at the station that one time remember because he said he hadn't slept in two days and they were teasing him about his you know his hugo boss suit he's not looking like he normally does and he's like i haven't slept in a couple of days so that is isn't. we did hear we did hear in another episode i don't know if it was this one or prior that he's not seeing his boys as much you know yes he is busy he's
0: missing out on a lot of things and sleep could be one of them i don't i don't even know if he knows what that is anymore i'm worried about the guy
1: you have we to wonder this case and go to bed.
0: I'm going to buy him one of those, my pillows. <laughs> I want to get you one of those. buddy.
2: <laughs> is it portable? So he could just sleep <laughs> in the car. It's going to have to be. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, he's all in for multiple cases. So,
1: Oh, and by the way, um, uncle Jerry will be a very important part of my Maddie Basha.
2: Oh, I think that's a fantastic idea. You're developing this very nicely. So I do hope Amazon is listening. Please listen to Officer Pete. He's got some some valuable insights and ideas here. Good ideas. All right. So I think that's it for the interrogation room. So, Pete, you have already identified your person of interest. Would you like to share further?
1: No, I just think that that Maddie – and well, I said no, and I'm talking anyway. I no. um, <laughs> yeah, I the that. the story of my life. Um, <laughs> I believe that uh, Maddie had a big part in this, in this episode. She's been with, um, with Chandler and – now, at the end of the episode, you know, Chandler walked in after that conversation to be the lawyer for mm-hmm. um, Alicia Kent, and Vosh saw that, and now, you know, even if Vosh's look wasn't like, damn, I gotta deal with this, it was like, damn, now I have to talk to my daughter, I can't talk to my daughter. My- but I also believed, I thought for sure last season, that after that happened, they, that because they worked together, they weren't allowed to work together no more, or they couldn't be involved in this case, that they're both on, mm-hmm. but if she comes as Alicia Kent's lawyer, they can't both be on unless what at least you can strikes a deal a plea deal beforehand before it ever gets Oh, support. that's a good question. Because I remember she said that now we can't be yeah. given that. She walked in and I'm like, Bosch is directly involved in this case and she's the lawyer. That's going to be a conflict of interest, no?
2: Well, maybe it just means I don't know. I'm I do not know, but I wonder if it means if he were the defendant or if he were the plaintiff, I'm sorry, and she were the defendant and he's not really the plaintiff. The DA's office right. is the this okay. is is the okay. is it the state or the city? Yeah. The state. Jay? Just, I don't
1: know. It was what went through my head.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's um that's interesting that you that you remembered that. I don't know exactly how that's defined, but I have to wonder if that's kind of the differentiation. Maybe our friend Dan, who is a retired attorney, can help us out with that question. Consider yourself on notice, Dan. We're looking right. for some information.
0: You've got three hours to get back to us. <laughs> <laughs> we have you oh, on retainer, dang it. <laughs> All right, go ahead.
1: Sorry. Oh but yeah, just to finish um yeah, so finish up. Maddie's Maddie's like I said she's having a conversation with Bosch where she's disagreeing agreeing to disagree I felt like that conversation that's how it ended up and I think there's going to be a lot of those because at the end of the day this is Bosch's daughter and no one's more stubborn than Bosch than Bosch's daughter so they're going to bump as they develop opinions on certain cases mm-hmm. it's inevitable yeah it is what it is as long as you know she's not with that clown anymore I'm happy <laughs> I didn't see him so I'm happy <laughs>
2: Okay, well, I'm going to follow up just because my person of interest is closely related to yours because I'm going to go with Honey Chandler because we are just reminded in this episode Of the power she has, and I don't necessarily mean, I I mean it in power as far as how people respond to her, the power that she can create when those guys saw her walk in, they looked scared, you know, but at the same time, she helped Bosch last year. She's been a mentor to Maddie. We've seen these really nice sides of her too. And we see how, you know, we're, she's just, we're getting more layers from her. We're seeing how smart she is, how capable she is. She's had some nurturing qualities, I think, in, you know, mentoring Maddie. She worked well on Bosch's side of things last season. She's back to being the defense attorney and we see how good she is at that. I mean, she just she seems I can't think of the word like almost like untouchable or something. Like yeah. she's just so good yeah. at, at what she does in, in different situations. She's yeah. not a one trick pony. You know, she you can see her on both sides. You can see her being hard, you know, firm and tough and, you know, strategic. But then you can see her being kind and understanding um, and having empathy. So I, I was just reminded of a lot of that this season uh, or so far. And especially in this episode when she had that epic moment when she shows up at the end. So that's it for me.
0: i wanted to go with chandler but i changed my mind kind of at the last minute and i'm gonna go with billets (laughs) okay for a couple of reasons but primarily two. she's in this episode she's definitely privy to the fact that cooper is up to something Uh something is going on there and you know you kind of wonder a lot of times As people go up in ranks, are they as good as maybe they once were? Mm -hmm. She was slick with how she handled it, like with Jay Egger and played it off and blah, 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 blah. And it's kind of handling it internally. We also watch her here at the end dealing with Alicia Kent. And just, she's still just a consummate pro, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you got to figure that she's probably under pressure because this is a high profile case. There's a lot of things going on, not to mention the internal stuff with Cooper and maybe the people in her division. So I'm mm-hmm. going to I'm going to give it to her.
2: She's I think that's great. And what I thought about when you're saying that too is it's not that she makes it look easy because she's had plenty of challenges, but she's right. just so seasoned. You know that she just does it. She manages it so well, and we all want her to have this great vacation. You know, we've talked about before (laughs) and relaxing on the beach and just getting a break from all this. But she just she stays at it, and she's just she just does it so well.
1: Well, you know, Captain Cooper says sometimes a change or (laughs) rest can be refreshing and a good thing.
2: Yeah, I wonder what he thinks that of what that rest or change would be versus what we would think of as that rest well, or if change. if we know
1: anything about this department, it means caps. Because that's where Crate and Barrel moved yeah. him. Well, I mean, I yeah. learned that. Well, we knew that, but we learned that other officers believed the same thing.
2: That's funny that you mentioned the caps because Harry does have that line where he says that Crate and Barrel are wasted on the Caps desk. You know, he points out that because you know, that is considered kind of a demotion or, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, and, and he's like, you guys are, are way above that. So I think that's a good choice, Jay. I like it. Nice. All right. Our evidence locker. Just kind of sum up what we've learned in this episode. I mean, I think the big one is Jay Edgar, our man, finding the the camera footage. And we didn't even, I don't even know if we actually talked about what the footage was. Everybody knows because they watched the episode. But they see her, you know, when she was supposed to be tied up and she's just walking freely and casually around her living room. So, yeah, that's pretty obvious. So, but so we have that evidence and we learned a little bit more about the Daisy Clayton case, got some more details, talked to some more people from that time period. What else? Anything else we should bring up about that, about the evidence?
0: Mm, I mean, the burner phone information that's popping yeah. back up. Right,
2: amazing. right. The phone calls. Um, we know that Heather's up to something. I mean, she's, you know, yeah. she's got something in progress there. Very, uh, makes me very nervous. So, all right, well, we've got some tip line information, so we need to get on that. We've heard, I think we'll talk about what Dan had to share first. Dan the man? Our man, Dan. Let's find that. All right, tip line, season six, episode five. Here's what he has to say. Harry replaces Jerry's pen that Harry used when they found the cesium-poisoned body, a little touch but with huge informational content about the state of their partnership. That was, a, that was a nice moment. Yet another review of Shake Cards. After Harry gets the white van information bears fruit. Always revisit when you learn something new. That is how it works in the real world with at least police and lawyers, likely doctors, probably lots of other jobs too. Harry telling Crate and Barrel they are wasted in caps. From Harry, that is sky-high praise. It also is a nice nod to two detectives who, as Harry said about the KTK headlines in season four, have been walking that road for a long time. Jeff Cober. Okay, Jeff played John McMullen, John the Baptist. Nice small role for an accomplished character actor who goes back like car seats all the way back to China Beach with Troy Evans. Interesting. Good, good call, Dan. Like MC Ganey, nice to see Cobra in a good guy role. Troy Evans' silent acting in the two scenes after he learns about Rhino. Some of the best performances by numerous actors in Bosch are with no words and frequently mm. no sound at all. Definitely agree there, Dan. Yeah. That's a good point. Mad's telling Harry that Chandler is just another relentless role model, and then when he bridles a bit, telling him she meant it as a compliment to him. She better being on the road to dumb herself. Remember the dinner in season five when Honey told Harry the, Oh oh I think we might get some information here. Remember the dinner in season five when Harry told when Honey told Harry that in the future she could not work on cases where Harry is involved. Yet she is now representing Alicia Kent. How? I won't go into detail, but while this could be seen as a bit of a wobbler, it may well be appropriate under the rules of legal ethics if Honey properly informs Alicia in writing of the past Bosch representation. How Honey had the time to give due consideration and analysis to whether she could represent Alicia and then prepare and provide the necessary written disclosure to Alicia before going to work on the case is another question. But this is TV after all. So thanks, Dan! It's like he heard us and he came and through yeah. in three hour yeah. time. Limit. I was
1: about to say, he came through in less than three hours. And Jay, isn't that impressive for someone like you? Cause you say nobody ever comes during the time frames.
0: Right. I am.
2: I, he's, he's hired. He's nice. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Area. All right. Let's see. We heard from Ann as well. Dan and Ann are both super fans for sure. All right, okay, now she says she told me up front that this is going to be long, but we we like long and lots of details. I mean, we're pretty chatty, and we like the details, so let's let's go for it. She says, hi guys, this was an episode absolutely packed from beginning to end. It was definitely an episode that benefits from more than one viewing just to make sure you didn't miss anything. As with many Bosch episodes where there's often a thread of sadness woven in, this episode was no different. Most touching was the death of Beryl's good friend Rogers, just at the point where everyone thought Rogers was going to pull through. That moment when Rogers' daughter breaks the news was was so well done, giving that heart-dropping, time-standing-still feeling many of us have experienced. Loved seeing Troy Evans get a larger role this season, one that took him way out of his usual comic relief slot. In terms of police work, we once again see that Creighton Barrel absolutely know their stuff and have great instincts Harry has learned not to ignore. The Henrik Baston cameo in The Frolic Room was perfect. Harry meeting with Servadone in the same bar he met with him in season five, and Henrik looking to be sitting in the same seat Michael Conley occupied in his cameo in season five was delicious. But I had to watch that scene twice. I was so preoccupied with looking at Henrik. And Alicia Kent. Bosch has a way of giving us some female villains with ice water running through their veins. Veronica Allen in season two, and now Alicia Kent. There she is, thinking she's in the clear, cool as a cucumber, unaware that Jay Edgar is about to bring it all down around her. Loved the slight change in her eyes when Harry comes into the interview room, and loved his very Columbo-esque approach with her. Okay, I could go on forever with this episode. The thing about this show is that it doesn't play like it's drowning us in storylines. It's not until you start unpacking it that you realize just how much was in there. And she gives some nice remarks on the podcast. We thank you for that, Anne, and thank you for that commentary. That was a lot of good detail, a lot of good things to think about. So appreciate it. Everyone is always welcome to send information any time of the week to the tip line. You can email bosch at com, And it doesn't matter which episode it's about. You know, we're always gathering for the next episode, the next podcast, but we like hearing about previous stuff as well. So send it our way, which brings us to trivia with Officer Pete.
1: All right, folks. So, <laughs> I feel like I have one really easy question and one really hard question. However, the really, I, I try to trick you guys. Like, you know, so I try to come up with something that you wouldn't even, like, they're not gonna look at this. They're not gonna think about this. They're gonna see, it's gonna be in plain sight, but you're not gonna get it. That's, <laughs> that's what I go for here. So, an easy question. In the, in the beginning of the scene, when Irvin is at the cemetery looking at the headstone, For George. Mm Mm-hmm. He was... His death year was 2015.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: What was his birth year?
2: That was a little more obscured because I was looking at that, but I seem to think 1988.
0: Jay? I'm going to go with uh, Back to the Future Years, 1985.
1: I I paused it a couple times on a couple different angles, and I knew it would be more difficult, but to me... The answer to the trivia question is 1985. So Jay got it. Well well to get way to go, Jay. Thank Nicely done. Marty
0: Thank you, Marty
2: McFly. Yeah. I mean, so, you can't go wrong with Back to the Future. It's right. always a good bet. Dang. Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: Now, you, you're probably nobody's gonna get this question. Brother. This was me just thinking like they're never even gonna look for this. But Jay might, because Jay guessed blueberries last time on the amount of blueberries <laughs> that were in the frigging plate, so you never know. <laughs> All right. When Bosch is waiting outside of Brenda's office, I think it is, in the FBI headquarters or whatever that is, there's a table next to Bosch, and it's a coffee table, and it has cups and coffee and creamers. How many coffee creamers are on that table?
0: Oh, gosh. In the FBI office?
1: Yes. When he's noticed, are they like, on the creamers? table or in a cup? They're on the table. They're there's, on like, the there's, table. Like, there's like a bunch of coffee-looking pots that are like silver chromish, silver. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then there's like two of the creamer looking things with the red tops. And then there's all the cups. Well, you just said there were two creamers. Oh, you got it. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I was trying to say the answer and you guys still didn't know the answer. Yeah. That's my investigative skills interrogation, baby. Nice I, right. job. I
2: reworked the question
1: you guys weren't to get, get the answer. answer. So I tried to say it out. Like I said, I try to catch you guys in plain sight and kind of embarrass you.
2: I like it. I like it. It's cool. good that you did that, though, because I was thinking the little individual creamers.
1: Yeah, no, it's not a, the big thing, yeah, so there was two of Boys. them in the middle of all the coffee things. So you both got one. And there we go. For Here your three. your reward is I guarantee the next podcast of this trivia there will be two super hard questions.
2: Oh, great.
0: Man, great. I even counted how many blue highlighters were on Billet's desk this episode. Did you really? Dang it. <laughs>
2: Well, this is a good time to bring up, bring up that we've been thinking about doing a, a trivia episode. So give us some feedback if you like the idea of that. Maybe where people can submit questions or we submit to each other, like kind of shake it up. So let us know what you think of that. Anything yeah. else, guys, before we get into our interview with Gregory Scott Cummins?
0: It was a big, it was a big episode. Let's get to this big interview. That's what I
2: All right. Saying. Let's All right. do it. All right. I'll check you guys later. Bye. See you. First Bye. up. A special message from Gregory Scott Cummins. I
3: was a member of Amazon before the show was on, you know, came on Amazon Prime. I just wanted during this time that we're, uh, I have uh, a bunch that I ordered from off Amazon. This is double ply toilet paper, although you can use it for blowing your nose. But but I got this on Amazon. So, you know, don't forget guys, you know, that uh, they don't just have shows on Amazon, but you can order on it, too, and they take it right to your house.
2: All and, the uh, way to your house.
3: <laughs> hand sanitizer, and I have this toilet paper, and this is very good toilet paper. I won't, uh, I won't. Uh, Endorse I won't... the brand. <laughs> well, no, I, 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 <laughs> I, I won't uh, show you how to use it, but you got, you got
2: but that's my Now on with the show. I'm curious. I mean, I know already there's a lot of new actors, some guest stars on the set. So I wonder, did they get the memo about Mr. Good-Looking?
3: They always get the memo of me because I constantly remind them of it uh, every day on the set, you know. And I'm sure they're completely sick of it, but uh, it makes me laugh, so I I keep it up, you know.
2: Well, I just hope that they were cooperative, you know, because some folks, they, you know...
3: I wasn't fired, you know, you know, I, you know. Uh, Titus is secure enough that I, I'm better looking than he Good. Ian. Okay. And Jimmy as well. And, and Lance and Juan. Yeah,
2: sure. Okay. Good. Good. All right. I just, I wasn't sure about the newbies. You know, I just want to make sure they got the information. Just have to do,
3: it's just, it's been my curse. You know,
2: it's been my curse. That's right. You just have to deal with it.
3: Yeah. Such yeah. a burden. <laughs> probably pretty sick of it uh uh, uh with uh, my partner there on the show <laughs> so i <laughs> i actually include him now with it with us you know because you know we're, we were both hired okay for the uh women demographic you know the the good looks. okay
2: got it okay you got that covered yeah right right okay good and, deal yeah <laughs> well my question, moving from last season, at the end of last season, when Beryl comes out of retirement, surprises everybody and goes into drop, Crate was understandably aggravated that he did this whole party and was was not made aware of it. How long did it take Crate to sort of come around
3: well, with the yeah. news? Really, the end, and the final episode ended on that where I was perturbed. And we didn't actually carry that because there was, you know, a time lapse with the new season, mm-hmm. and all that. And, and you know how guys are with stuff. Um, like we get, so we just kind of went into the, the stuff, you know, the new season and we just kind of uh, let it go you
2: know. Yeah.
3: Okay. Didn't really refer to it at all. I I, I wanted to work something in where he was looking at his watch and, you know, I'd go, oh, (laughs) I bought something like that. (laughs) We we didn't do anything like that. And, you know, that's the way it is uh, in real life too. You know, a lot of times guys would get in arguments and then just, you know, it's, you know, you get mad. It's done. It's over. And you know, you we move on. Yeah, we don't fume. And 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 it's like a married couple. Our partner, mm-hmm. I, uh, creates a relationship with Beryl, It's like we're an old married couple that's been together for you know 25, 30 years. You know, and right. uh, and uh, and so you're going to have spats and arguments, and all of a sudden, you know, you just let it go. You know, Good
2: you know. Good deal. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad it didn't take long. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah. Yeah. No.
2: <laughs> well a question about the two of you in those roles you know these are cops that have been around for a long time you know they they have earned some superiority throughout the office throughout the station but when they see the chief come by of course they there's that scene where they kind of straighten up hello chief Is yeah. he, who intimidates crate and barrel the most would it be someone like the chief
3: oh, uh, yeah yeah i would think yeah, absolutely uh, you know the character in uh in the chief's position. You know he definitely, and he carries you know, i i mean the wrong word, the wrong look gets you fired in a second, you know, so uh, yeah. <laughs> i I don't think bosch uh, the character bosch titus's character I, I don't think he's maybe as worried about that stuff because he's mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, but but I think creighton Barrow know the chain of command and mm-hmm. and what doing, what you don't do, and so you you gotta straighten up when the brass comes in, you know
2: very good, um, very good yeah.
3: Yeah. I, yeah. And it kinda, it's kind of why they're kind of easygoing in a lot of ways too. Although this season here that's coming up here, we we they've got us more involved with some of the main like two or three of the main plot lines and we're actually involved yeah. in investigating more. Which yeah. instead of having our own kind of plot line in season 5 on the side, you know, if you going to talk not we had the car accident and all that we really they, they got us involved back as even though we were in caps crimes against persons and they mm-hmm. didn't move us back to homicide they used us a lot and the Bosch character used us a lot and used uh well i won't give away what, what we did but uh, we're we're more involved and all the way up through the final uh, you know the final ending episode of season oh, right yeah, so it's it's kind of we're more active. And because I think we're doing a good job, we didn't bring up, you know, getting back in homicide. You know, we are older. We can't, it's not as easy for us to run and chase people down as mm-hmm. it is for the younger cops and the cops are in better shape. And and there's there's something where that refers to that in this season as well. We just kind of, we kind of, well, we don't need to go do that, do we? And, oh, you know, and, and the police officers on the street are, are going to go deal with, you know, getting That'll this be, act.
2: Back. Yeah. So they can play it to their advantage as well. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just we're more <laughs> we're mature
3: and ape we used to be. And, you know, that's the way it is in real life. I'm, a lot of these guys, I, I know personally a whole bunch of guys that took their retirement and got 55-plus and then they go back and they're still working you know and they're on the job and eh, but doing cases that are you know don't require getting out and chasing and running people down all the time you know and right. you know they, they you're using their smarts to catch people yes and you know investigation and interviews and uh, and all the stuff that goes into that so uh, there's a lot of a lot of police officers just it it's not just a job it, it's their life you know right. i have friends that are even now doing that that are retired They're just working and not even being paid, but they need extra police officers, so they get a squad car, and they go work two or three days a week, and they don't throw money. They just, they're ex-cops who are still authorized to be police officers, and, okay. and they go three days a week, you know? Okay. So,
2: well, I would hope that Craig Merrill's colleagues were aware of how capable they are in their jobs, but for oh, the viewers, it seems like we're getting to see it from a perspective of just how smart they are last season and yeah. this season.
3: Yeah, and it comes in this season as well, but much more so. And you know, and that's it's really What was I going to say? A, a, a relating to the, I, I've been connected to thousands from the show, thousands of police officers and detectives, vice, robbery, homicide, people that were long-term, you know, on, on the job uh, in in a squad car, and then mm-hmm. people who up, detective. And I already had five or six very good friends that I'd known through the years that were various degrees of uh, street cops or detectives you know, their job is amazingly difficult to try and And imagine doing it. We're just acting, we're doing the best to portray it. And Mm -hmm. that's the way I feel with what I'm doing on the show. The feedback, my niece has been six years on the job up in Northern California, and it's become even more personal for me. And, And so it's just become a labor of love of portraying the character, my character, and the show, being involved with it, we really feel responsibility to do as well as we can. The writing is incredible. I mean, it makes the job so much easier. We, we don't even, I mean, it's effortless to, to do the acting, but but it, it it's just to try to do the best we can, because we really are representing people, the feedback from the people across the country, not just in the, the that I knew, but Thousands of people that have come in contact through uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, um, you know, that uh, watch the show, and they're just they're just calling, just thanking us for representing in, in the way it is, or the politics and the off of the sure the, yeah, everything. There's just yeah. the, the street. It, it's it's the. They're in a war zone every day. Their life is in Mm -hmm. danger and they have to be nice and they have to be courteous and all that. They don't, people don't realize you say, yes, sir. You say, no, sir. You do what they ask, you know, because Mm -hmm. their lives are on the line. They don't know if you're a good person or not right off the bat. Right, right. um, And, um, and I think the show picks up on some of that. You know, I think the show Seasons has shown elements of that, both Mm-hmm. Good and bad stuff, you know, that can yeah. happen.
2: I definitely think all the effort that, that the actors and the crew and the producers put into achieving that oh. level of authenticity is has been affirmed for sure, oh. like oh. you said by other law enforcement. So that's
3: great. You know, I mean, Eric Overmyer is great. Tom Bernardo is great. All the other writers. Yeah. But this all started with Michael Connelly's novels and yeah, and yeah. what he did to create an invite I mean, in those novels, he really created something really special. I. I kind of compare them. I always say you're uh, to detective novels. You're you're the Tom Clancy of detective novels. I'm a huge See, com-
2: yeah. yeah,
3: and I'm I'm a, I'm a huge Michael Connolly fan as well. And I quite oh, I yeah. Tom Clancy is the CIA and espionage and all that, and Michael Connolly is the detective. And quite uh, hit those novels on the nose. I'm, Yeah,
2: I think that's absolutely a fair assessment. Well, one thing, you know, we do see a lot of different sides of the detectives and the officers' lives. And a lot of it is, you know, a lot of action and stuff that's in the show. But this year, we see that Crate actually can sense when his partner is things aren't going well, and he reaches out to him. It's just a simple scene, but he really picks up on it. And I think that shows a lot about how well partners can know one another, and they can step out of that. We got to do this, we got to do do that
3: we got to get here and just take care of someone well little. and is this too is that where something happened where he had a loss uh yes, yes. And mm-hmm. I it. Yeah yeah. yeah yeah that's what goes back to knowing the person you're with i mean yeah try to go back and think of the best friend you ever knew you have one friend from maybe childhood that or you that you've known for a long time and you don't even have to say things to each other especially guys aren't normally that talkative anyway to each other mm-hmm. but the, the communication just from the looks or the behavior or the silence or the whatever we pick up on when you're close to someone you pick up on that and that's what the genius of this whole this whole thing is 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 they they've really created you know it's well that's that's the way the relationship is and, and very much like any relationship that you have in you know any high stress situation where you're partnered with somebody and uh, and you get to know them like a brother, and uh, and they do. I mean, look, I in real life, I, I think it comes across too. I cared greatly about Troy. And and uh, and but and what we bring out on the screen, it's just you know additional. Right? But it's there. It's all there right. in the just. It's, right. it's there. It doesn't skip over stuff like that. That's what makes I think this these. Every time I read a new episode, I get so excited because it's they're really good. And it's uh, it's. I don't want to say that other shows haven't been good in the past and, and all that. But I've done a lot of shows over a lot of years. So this is on a whole other level.
2: I would agree. I would agree. It's very much, I can't think of a great word, but it shows all different sides yeah, so, yeah. Of, of the job. Yeah. 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 On a, a slightly more humorous note, were you familiar with the term menopause before this season? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> that was a good heard, one.
3: Very, <laughs> it, instead of you know, man, menopause, it's menopause. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. You know, I, what I've
2: seen from that scene so far in the exchange a couple of things jump out at me Teddy and they talked with Teddy last year last season and then he comes back in another story I think it's so great that his story the interaction you all had with him last year served a purpose it was you know to show that you all were not really thrilled about being in caps. some of it seemed not so serious well now it yes. comes back this year in a little bit different form. And I haven't seen, you know, all the way. So it may be even more serious than than any of us well, thought.
3: I, I blow it for he, you. If you haven't gotten to the uh-huh. of that thing, it does become, you know, he does some things that aren't so good. He's not quite right in the head, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, he's a good guy, a good actor who played him. He, he's done a wonderful, wonderful job. Um, yeah. Uh, by Teddy but we he's you know he's like one of those we run into thousands of these guys all the time but you know but so he did something and and you know we're doing caps and we're trying to we're trying to you know reason with them and say hey you know go somewhere else and do it and then you know something else happens that you haven't seen yet that's going to happen and uh, okay. so I, I don't want to say it right now but sure but we're we have an empathy for him now we're we're also trying to get the truth out of him we're trying right. to find out you know what happened and did he do something but mm. uh, and I, I don't want to give away any more than that but but even during that process there's an element where i my personally we i feel a little sorry for him too but he sure. did something he does something bad yeah. you know Yeah. Uh, he's have to be punished for it and and that's the best place for him you know and that's right. the way we kind of look okay yeah, yeah. yeah. you know it, uh, I, I
2: love how they how the show brings in characters that serve one purpose in one season and then it's a related but a different storyline and serves a different purpose within the story Robert. this time around because you it, already they have kind of
3: did, they a kind response of, to them they liked what they did the previous season and then it led somewhere in the next season mm-hmm. and yeah. and it led to uh, us did because uh, crimes against persons is all the other crimes, but if it leads to a murder, then homicide usually takes it over. But right. I, I don't have anything away, but so we were dealing with him. We wouldn't have dealt with him on a lower level when we were homicide detectives we, we, right. because he didn't kill anybody. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to say more about that, but, you know, things get a little more tense, but we still yeah. kind of feel bad for him. And, um, you know, that's the way cops do you know, just on a sidetrack. There's an interview we did with that horrible killer in the first season. Yeah. uh, Raider's weight. Horrible. And uh, he played the the bad guy the whole first season. And, you know, I had learned from years ago when I was in uh, my my master's uh, acting program at UCLA, we worked with the Beverly Hills Police Department and they taught us. How they use the police officers, they use the actors to take over three or four real cases, study them, and then he taught us about body language. And when somebody's telling the truth, they'll be this way, you know, they'll be like very uh, aggressive and saying no. But then, after time, as they're beaten down, the, the guy who's lying will back off and, and, and he'll get a little weaker and weaker. But the guy who's innocent will get stronger and stronger and stronger over time. So, there, there's a series. He says the the old cop shows where you browbeat somebody and you strong arm somebody. That yeah. they stopped doing that. They they yeah. don't do. And we had that first interview scene from the first season. And Troy and I didn't even rehearse it. We just went in and just did it right through the first wave, first take. And we we just like it was perfect. But we both had the idea, you know, that you get you get more stuff with honey and make mm-hmm. them. You're trying to help them. You're trying to, you know, if you did something wrong, tell us. We'll see what we can do. You know, we, yeah. we, we're trying, you know, we just, we'll try to work with you. You're trying to get the information out in a nice way. You don't, you know, people should shut and clam up if you browbeat them. And, uh, sure, yeah. And, you well, know, I, I know
2: it, it, it could escalate into much more serious content, but I did have to laugh when Teddy sticks his tongue out at you all. That was just sort of perfection. <laughs> I, I know. I,
3: <laughs> Yeah. He did that the second take. And he then he looked at me and he said, Should I do that too much? And I go, No, that was great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, I, and it was just perfect. It was just he did yeah. it out of the job. It's yeah, really, really did. really yeah, did And really it it the whole the whole and that's one of the plot lines. But there's a whole other one that Troy gets involved uh-huh. with, which gets me in there too, which is the with the four oh what's the what's the group? There's the, the this kind of oh the three hundred eight, three hundred eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah the
2: sovereigns and, uh,
3: yes yes and then that comes through that's something that jump starts at the beginning but it, it comes through later it, but then there's another wow. plot that that uh, Bosch gets us involved on uh, where we're uh you know where we're uh, um listening to uh conversations and things like that and trying to get right. information on on somebody else who killed yeah. somebody yeah and you so, guys have
2: uh, your hands in everything
3: yeah so we were going wow we're, there's a lot of plot lines going and we yeah. were we, at our hands in, in three or four of them and yeah three of them and um so it was kind of neat yeah it's kind of neat well
2: you know your fan <laughs> favorites so they're gonna the fans are gonna love seeing you more and more on screen this season that's great very and very cool a
3: lot more of crate because i went in about i went in about 30 pounds overweight for the, just for this costume fitting before the first show and i said you know I, i'll get down to my normal weight of the other seasons uh, I had had a a rotator cuff problem uh, two years prior, and for two years, I couldn't lift weights, so I got a little thinner in the upper body, and I put this weight on, and I've still got some of it on now, and uh, so my face is bigger, my body looks like I've been really pumping and lifting weights, and I said to Eric Obermeyer, and I was talking to Troy, well, Troy told me, and I said, you know, I I gotta lose this weight, and I said, I'll lose it in about uh, three weeks, I'll get down about 20, 25 pounds. And uh, and I'll be the weight I was when I all the other seasons. And he said, "No." He said, uh, Eric, "Eric likes uh, he likes the extra weight on you. It look, makes you look like a more tough, badass cop that no want to mess with." So yeah. I kind yeah. of got You see me now? I've got a little more weight on my face and all that. Uh, a little too much now, but I am going to lose about twenty, and I'll get down to where I shot this last season. But but they they like the here. A little little yeah. bit of a gut, but, but huskier up here and hair and shoulders and arms and it just looks like I'm a little more imposing to overcome. And it Craig sure. and Carol are, are two big guys. Right, know? right. Maybe. It just
2: works very well. Yeah.
3: yeah. Cool. So that that was that so I'm gonna be you're gonna i I'm gonna be a little wider this season, you know. Okay.
2: Uh, Things <laughs> to watch for. <laughs> Well,
3: yeah thicker yeah. uh, uh, shall I say yeah okay
2: okay well thank you so much for talking to me again I'm sorry Jay couldn't be here and we really appreciate all the work you did with the boshis and hosting that that was fantastic so oh God, I, that was, yeah. so much everybody loved yeah. it. <laughs>
3: that's so fun. that's Good so stuff. you stay safe
2: all right well you, you stay, really
3: stay healthy and uh you and too. and uh, i'm looking i'm looking forward to the this uh, episode season six starting up and and showing i i can't wait oh, yeah, yeah and, and then hopefully everybody will get healthy and this virus will go away and we can start to shoot uh see this final season seven yes
2: whenever uh, yes. that so. where
3: well. we can get to that but uh right get that uh, in
2: motion for sure all right All right, take care. Thank you so much, Greg. Bye-bye.